Welcome to the Kelly Patrick Show. Thank you so much for tuning in. In today's episode, I am joined by Tim Cordova. Tim is one of the more commonly recurring guests here on the Kelly Patrick Show. He always brings a unique flavor of political analysis to the show, and I absolutely love it. Really appreciate him coming on today. We touched on, in my opinion, a lot of great topics, and I, I think he's a. I told him right after we ended the episode I, that he's truly his critical analysis and contributions to the show are more valuable than he will know. And I think a lot of people who listen to the Kelly Patrick show will probably identify a little bit more with his take on some of the issues we discuss today um, than mine. Not that there's a ton of differences, but it's a good conversation. I appreciate everyone tuning in. If you're a fan of the Kelly Patrick Show, I ask that you please send some referrals the way of my sponsors. The title sponsor of the show is Louisville Combat Academy, located at 7908 Beulah Church Road, Louisville, Kentucky, 40228. They have a great MMA program, but also, even if you aren't planning on fighting in the cage, they have a great jiu-jitsu program for adults, female-friendly classes, and a great kids program also. Check out Louisville Combat Academy. Heidi Solars Coots. Heidi is a licensed clinical social worker and licensed clinical alcohol and drug counselor, specializing in treating anxiety, depression, trauma, and addiction with a mindful and holistic approach. Heidi is actually my mother, and I can attest she is a saint. Call her at 502-457-1823. Virtual and telephonic appointments are available anywhere in the United States. Veercast Digital Media. Veercast Digital Media at veercast.com. Matt McCarthy runs Veercast, and he is also the producer for The Kelly Patrick Show. They do video production, aerial drone photography, web design, and podcast production. Contact them at info at veercast.com to start your own video show or podcast. Also, my health insurance practice, Benefits Analysis Corporation. Based in Troy, Ohio, I work from my Louisville, Kentucky office. I can help anyone in the United States with their health insurance needs. I'm an independent broker for health insurance solutions for individuals, families, Medicare eligible individuals, and also groups. I can also write life insurance, and long-term care. If you want to support the podcast, please send me some referrals. 502-386-0978. Welcome to the Kelly Patrick Show. Thank you for tuning in. I am joined by returning guest. I have Tim Cordova joining me from, is it E-Town where you're at? Is that right? I actually live in Horse Cave. That's right, Horse Cave. So that's even quite a drive away from your gym in E-Town where you train uh, uh, jiu-jitsu with, with Josh correct. Johnson and that crew, right? That is correct. Tim, you have been one of my recurring political guests over the years, and I've really enjoyed your insight into many topics. Um, you are, of course, a minority as far as, you know, half Mexican, half Japanese. You don't wear the hat of being a, a minority. That's not who you are. Instead, you care strongly about uh, uh, helping individuals. And if sometimes those are minorities, you're, you know, you're great. That, that's great to you has been my impression. If they're not a minority, you try to approach everyone probably the same way as my guests. And you actually put that into action through, and I don't know if this is too political or anything to talk about, but in my eyes, you serve a very valuable service um, to our community. Do you mind mentioning what you do for, for a living? Yeah, I won't mention where I work. It's easy to figure out, but uh, I'm an educator. Uh, I teach the trades. I've been doing that for 22 years uh, in the Elizabethtown area. Okay. In the trades. Why, why, in your opinion, Tim, why am I saying that pursuing a career in the trades is a good thing for maybe minorities, maybe not even minorities, but for every, for many, maybe not every, but for many young people, it's often an underutilized option. Yeah, well, there was a time when it was actually uh, – considered not a uh, a good field. In fact, uh, I think there was a president that we had, uh, one Barack Obama, that was talking about how that sector, those kinds of jobs were going away, manufacturing. You remember all that talk? Okay, I think I do. Yeah. 
But uh, in fact, they they haven't gone away. They've come back, and it really, with us bringing and putting a spotlight on the trades, I think it's really helped our economy. Um, one of the other things with the trades is it's it's almost instantaneous financial help to people who are poor. Um, here in the state of Kentucky, I don't know if you realize it, but if you do not have a degree, you can get your degree. Of course, you're going to love this as a libertarian, but you can get 64 credits of it paid for with the Work Ready Scholarship. Okay. But what is the Work Ready Scholarship? Well, they use, of course, taxpayer money <laughs> to uh, pay for these people's uh, college courses. One of the things that uh, we could debate that back and forth, but the good thing about that is, is I get to see firsthand. Uh, most of my students in that area are what I would call underserved uh, economically, regardless of color. And so when you're able to take somebody like that and instantly get them into the $25 to $35 an hour range after two years of school, I think that's a really good thing. Would it be safe to say many of the students who go through the trades programs then at some point in the future have the opportunity to start their own business, their own practice. Oh yeah, definitely. So we train electricians. Um, we're going to bring back plumbing, but plumbing is one of them, HVAC. Um, in fact, I know, you, you know, many people I've met them on your show that are tradesmen. Uh, uh, Ferguson, he's a Mason. You know, he does masonry work. BJ Ferguson. Yep. Isaac. Yeah. Isaac, yeah, he's into the trade. So these are all people that I've met actually through you. Um, and I think they would agree with me. It's 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 almost after your two years, and in some cases it doesn't even take two years, but you know, after two years, you're instantly in a really good wage paying position. This is not the reason we scheduled today's episode, but it is an interesting topic. Um yeah. anytime someone talks about whether it's Black Lives Matter or serving an underprivileged uh, uh, sector of society. One of the things I come back to is if they're not helping that group, the poorest people to actually find work and to uh, a path toward self sustainability for themselves and them, their families, then I'm sorry, those groups are just based on specifically that they're a fraud because in the long run, the only real path to prosperity is through individual hard work, uh, get maybe getting a job, creating your own business, owning a, owning a home, things like that. Maybe not even a, let's say not even creating an own, your own business, getting a good job, being able to support your family, maybe buying a small little house, having something that you and your family can uh, be supported with over the years. I, in my opinion, that's one of the areas that organizations, I know I rip on Black Lives Matter a lot, but I don't ever hear any rhetoric like that at all out of Black Lives Matter at all. Therefore, they don't have my support, nor will they ever. Yeah, no. I mean, anytime you get a, a group like that, all you got to do is read their mission statement in the beginning. Of course, they changed it. You know, there are a lot of uh, a lot of African Americans dumped them after reading that mission statement. Heck, Marcellus Wiley, uh, commentator on ESPN, Jason Whitlock, ESPN. You know, those guys read that uh, statement and. Uh, they came out against Black Lives Matter and look where they're at now. They're no longer with ESPN. They're doing their own thing, probably more successful being independent. But uh, yeah, but I think we're here to talk about uh, this whole thing. Actually, I don't want this to be an argument. I want to, I want to know how you stand on things. And sure. then I was, we were going back and forth, of course, or of course, thumbing each other on a post. And, I don't think you really get a good picture picture of where somebody stands doing that. And then two, words like that sometimes get taken out of context. You think somebody's mad at you because they're questioning you. And me and you have never been that way. In fact, I've never been that way with any of your guests. So I didn't want it to evolve like that. I don't think you handled yourself like that at all. We may have differing opinions about this type of a topic. My uh, A summary of my stance on the let's say the Ukraine and Russia war is, it's easy for me. I lean more Republican, admittedly, 
I'm not, I wouldn't say I'm an, an officially in a Republican, but I mean, let's be honest, I identify more so with people who lean at least a little bit to the right. It was mm-hmm. easy for me to say this war is inefficient. It's bad even for the people of Ukraine. It's bad for the young men of Russia, in my opinion. I don't support that war. We can't afford it. Why are we sending the money? Yeah, and I agree, actually. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It, I stated as much in my post that um, we get involved in wars like that that we have no business being in. Then what has happened recently with the Israel and Palestine thing, to me, at least, is um, it's touched on, it's tugged on the heartstrings of people, maybe the evangelical base a little more, more so Republicans feel much more sympathy toward the country of Israel. Therefore, and I mean, Biden just signed the bill, so I mean, Biden too. Um, Therefore, people are emotionally invested more so or at least equal to the Ukraine across the board. And it appears we're now going to be dumping billions. And in, in, I wouldn't be surprised if it was $100 billion now for Ukraine. I'm sorry, for Israel. So my stance is, similar to Ukraine and Russia, there's two countries attacking each other, not pleasant, that we should try to stay out of it. The Israel and the Palestine thing is a longstanding conflict. I know you know that. Um, and not pleasant before what happened within the year before October 7th was not pleasant either way. What happened on October 7th obviously was not pleasant. Uh, the response thus far, I think there's like 7,000 Palestinians killed th- since then has not been pleasant. Um, and my tax dollars are going for it. And the, the anti-war the reason I said I wouldn't vote for Trump, you remember I've been saying now I won't vote for Trump for about four years because I didn't vote for him, you know that, this past time. And the reason was, I've always said, is because of the war stuff. I'm not going to vote for a Republican anymore because they do end up, even if they don't start a new war, we're always drone striking people and maybe we're trying to catch little terrorists and I'm sure we are, there's some justification for it. But I don't like the idea of us policing the whole world, making enemies. I mean, I looked it up the other day. Tim, I think 30-something percent of the world is Muslim. Okay, they know who's funding these attacks. Um, let's see, world religion. They know who's funding uh, uh, um, these attacks. I, I don't like the idea of Muslim is 23.2, my bad, 23.2%, so not 30. 23.2% of the world is Muslim. They know who's funding these attacks. I have a feeling we're making a lot of enemies and that it's not going to lead to fewer attacks in the future. It's going to lead to devaluing our currency through the money we're printing and, and borrowing to, to continue this war. And it's going to make more enemies, make it less safe for me, my kids, my grandkids in the future. That's my thought. Gotcha. So, you probably also know that I have really been paying attention to libertarianism really ever since I met you. And I appreciate that. I'll, I'll say you have. You truly have. And I know that your decision to come to this, that we, maybe we have a disagreement it, with a lot of thought. And I appreciate that. I have seen it. And I appreciate that. And so I've been doing a lot of research on it. And I actually agree with a lot of what you said, except for one thing. And so, so here's where I, I, I stand on this. Yes, I realize that there are a lot of countries that hate us, and it's probably because when you look at where we have prolif- proliferated our bases, where we have placed ourselves around this world, it really is for domination. So, I mean, you look at countries, I mean, let's pull up a country that hates, our, you know, hates us, Iran. Well, they're surrounded with our military base. You know, so people will say, well, you're provoking them by doing such. Yeah, I can see all of that. I, I get all of that logic. I understand all that logic. But where do I stand? I was trying to text this into that post. I agree with you in that we need to stop giving our money to countries, especially countries that freaking hate us or we don't get anything of mutual benefit back from them. They are not really truly our allies. We cannot depend on them. So now what kind of countries are those? Well, a heck a lot of them. I mean, when you really, when you really think about it, if we get attacked, is Pakistan going to help us? No, no. You know, is, is India going to help us? I don't think so. Probably not. 
No. And so when you start looking at things in that manner, I think it becomes really easy who I support and who I don't. Now, people say we give Israel billions and billions of dollars. This is true. We, you know, we give them uh, weaponry, you name it. But one of the things that people don't talk about is the fact that uh, Israel uh, willingly shares their intel with them. That's It's really huge, especially in that area. They've been a good ally to the United States. They've probably been uh, our most loyal ally in that entire region. I wholeheartedly believe that if the United States were brought into a conflict, uh, a major conflict, I believe that Israel would be there for us. And I think it's friends like that, it's allies like that, that I am willing to support. now. You are 100% correct when you say we cannot afford to be sending money to Ukraine, to Israel, to all of these all of these countries. And I agree. But if we stop sending money to the countries that hate us the most and then do some other things that I really like that I've been hearing on the libertarian side and the Republican side of eliminating wasteful government spending that we have, you know, eliminating certain departments believe that we would have the money to support our true ally. So I guess my question to you is, what countries out there, if they're attacked, do libertarians, will libertarians help Britain? What? No, no, the answer would be no. And so that bothers me. And so why does it bother me? I kind of look at things on an individual basis. And I apply it first to my family. And so when I think about things, I think about libertarianism. We're talking about doing what's right for ourselves, having independence, not having somebody else tell you what to do. So when I think about wars and things of this nature, I'm thinking about my family. So my first obligation is to protect obviously myself, then my, then my family. Outside of that, we can both probably be pretty honest. I probably really only have three true, true friends, allies that I know that if times are really bad, they're going to be there for me. And I would too. Now, what does that mean exactly? Some people will tell you, well, you met this guy, he'll give you the shirt off his back. So they're on hard times, but by gosh, if you go up and you ask them, hey, man, can I still borrow that $100 that you got? Well, I can't give you all 100 but I'll let you have half of them. Those are true friends. How many of those true friends do we have in the world? Not many. I do believe that Britain is one. I do believe that uh, Israel is one. And then when you start going down the list from there, then I think it gets pretty narrow. So when you talk about helping all of these countries, I agree with you. There are very few that I would go venture out and say that I would help. <clears throat> when you talk about Israel and Palestine, that's a whole nother conversation. Man, you can get into that argument. I mean, it can get really, really deep. All I know is Countries that hate the United States, we shouldn't be sending any money to. Countries that we don't get anything back. I mean, we liberated Kuwait, and what did we get? Nothing. We got nothing. And one of the things that repulses people about Donald Trump is some of the things he said. But when you really think about what he's saying, a lot of times he says what other people are actually thinking. And one of the things that he said about Kuwait was, well, why didn't we take their oil? Why didn't we say, hey, look, this is how much money we expended liberating your country. So this is what you are going to owe us in oil importations into the United States for this amount for the next however many years. And I believe that. I mean, some people probably won't like that, but that's how I believe. If we're going to do something for somebody, we ought to get something back. We don't get anything back from these countries. Uh, as far as a lot of the bases that we have overseas, I think that there is a need to go ahead and draw that down. You know, a lot of that was done after World War II. So there are a lot of things that I agree with you on, but Israel isn't one of them. 
I think that they are a staunch ally. And I, I, I think that uh, if you put yourself into a position where you, I don't like using the word isolation, but you, you put yourself into this position where you're not helping anybody. And when the big bad wolf comes to the gate, you can't expect anything from anybody either. And I just don't think that uh, in the history of mankind, countries that do not have allies do not last very long. I think it would be the end of the United States, honestly. If we stopped helping out Israel and maybe England? Our true ally. Do you, do you agree with, with, I mean, let's look at the countries. How many countries are in NATO? Do you agree with military alliances, you think? Mm. That whole NATO thing is another thing. We yeah, this is a whole different can of worms. I know I'm throwing yeah. some serious questions. That's we, some, we have countries in NATO that, even though we have that alliance with them, don't you question whether or not they would truly be there for us? Or even if they could, are they capable? Yeah, they don't even they they too don't have the financial ability, or they don't even have the resources really. Yeah. So so really, what you're saying is. And I, I appreciate it because I really have thought about it. I see where you get your logic from because most of these countries and these alliances don't do a damn thing for it. Right? So NATO, who funds most of NATO? You hear Trump, Trump talk about this? That Trump was great on some things. He would just he, be like, yeah. why are we even in there? We, we contribute all the money. I don't get it. Yeah. We should pull out. Everybody's and like, was, oh, my God, oh, my God. He said we should pull out of NATO <laughs> and all sorts of crazy stuff. He was saying, you know, when NATO, a lot of those alliances, they were supposed to do so much of their GDP, I believe it was, and they weren't doing it. And so he started forcing them to to do what they were supposed to do. And so I really, I think it just comes down to just a few nations. I, I, I truly believe Israel is one of them. You don't see Israelis out in their streets chatting death to America and all this crap. Same thing with Britain. Now, we could get back into your argument that we're creating more enemies uh, by doing so. But um, I'll just be honest with you. Um, you know, Kelly, when you go overseas and you go to the Middle East, it's not just that I was there, but when you look at their way of life, and you compare it to the Western way of life, they do not gel. It's oil and water. It's, it is, it's completely different. Their very culture is antithetical to Western culture. The way that they uh, view women, you know, human rights, all of the, it's just completely different. Now, <clears throat> That's a whole nother conversation, but I'll let you get in there. I've been talking too much. It's okay. I, I, I do think it's good for you to, to talk more than me, certainly in this episode. Um, the, the topic of them, their culture being antithetical to Western culture is interesting because I do believe, and I'm sure you've seen it, my posts lately have been like that of a 1960s bleeding heart liberal anti-war activist and I've been reviewing in my mind at least you know I've over the past few years since I've had my libertarian awakening or whatever it is I've been reading a lot about war mm -hmm. and a lot about the propaganda that goes into it oh, yeah. and in my mind that I believe it's true about the, the Muslim culture treating women different I you know I, I've never been there I'm not denying that it's true and that there's even, I've heard there's some cases in like Afghanistan where there's rampant uh, child sex abuse and all sorts of horrible things. So I'm not disputing that. But I don't know. When it comes to the idea that we're so many people are being killed right now, I don't know if it's, it seems like we're dehumanizing them. And that seems dangerous. Like in the, in the 30s, I, I wish, you know, I wish some of the people in Germany would have, or in the 20s even, whenever they the anti-Semitic stuff started railing up, obviously in hindsight, if people could go back, I'm sure they would have in hindsight had they known what it got into. I'm not saying we're heading in that direction. But I think when, when we start to try to pass, I did a Google search earlier, Australia is the country that has the highest rate of child reported child sex abuse. Now, I don't even know if that's true. 
mm. reported. Does that mean it's more, you know? I don't yeah. know. Maybe they report it because they're real careful. I don't know. But what I'm saying is this. If we zoned in on that, we could start to develop a, a theory that Australians are just a little bit shittier of humans. And therefore, it may be convenient for something, I don't know, to kill a bunch of them, things like that. I know I sound like a conspiracy theorist, Tim, but I do, mm. in my current state of whatever my political mind is thinking, whatever the, the, the description of that would be, the dehumanization of, of Muslims, I do think is scary. I do. I just do. I don't know why. Maybe I'm, I'm paranoid. It, what you're saying is the same thing that happened with Asians. Asians had their time, right? World War II, you had Japan, and then the Korean conflict. You had the Vietnam conflict. I'm a product of all that. You know? What, I, let me, so, lecture, let me so, lecture you about that. No, I'm just yeah, kidding. So, so my, one of the things that I will tell you is, well, why? Well, you know? You talked about your grandmother did not like Japanese to the day that she died. Now, I don't like to have met her, right? I've met people like that before. I, I went to school. I was born in 1967, raised here in America. I went to school with kids, poor kids, whose fathers died in Vietnam, whose uncles died in Vietnam, remained, whatever. We're like the only Asian family in that whole freaking area. So trust me, when I when I tell you that I understand what Muslims are feeling right now, because now they that is they are that group right now. I get it. But it still doesn't take away from the fact that when I when I when you look at history and I look at Japan and who they were at that time when they attacked it, I'm glad the United States won. I know that those were my people, really, when you think about it, on my mother's side, right? When they bombed Hiroshima and Nagasaki, my mother lost countless relatives during those bombings. And I get it. I mean, it's sad, but I truly believe that evil, my definition of evil, um, rightly found its place there. Okay. So, okay. Uh, so, so the, you know, things happen over time. Groups suffer as a result of it. That is inevitable. That's kind of just the way life goes. They always have, and they always will. I know we. I know you don't want war, but think about it, Kelly. And one of the th statements that I made was this: We can all talk about this industrial military complex as how how horrible it is, and it is. The money. It's really about money when you watch it the way it is right now. But without it, if I don't know how libertarians feel about continued military spending or continued weapons research or any of those things, those topics. I have an idea, but I, I haven't really asked that question of you. But it's really easy for us to sit here and say that we're anti-war when we've got thousands and thousands of nukes that let us say, hey, we're anti-war. You know what I mean? I'm an anti-war guy here living in Horse Cave, Kentucky. And I don't believe in it. I don't think we should do it. But at the same time, if you snap your fingers and we lose that mechanism, how long do you think it would be before we're speaking Chinese? You know, I don't know. I don't know much about specifically the Chinese military and their ability to go across oceans and all that. But... I mean, the, the, my, my, take, my take may have some degree of being naive to it. I don't know if a libertarian Ron Paul ran for president in 1988. Had he won, right? Had he won, instead of who was it who won that? George Bush? Let's see. George Bush Sr., I think. All right. Had he won, and we didn't go to, you know, we were avoiding a lot of these conflicts, right? Um. No, it was Reagan. I'm sorry. Um, okay, so had had Ron Paul won, and we avoided a lot of these conflicts, 
Mm-hmm. Where would we be? Would my life be the degree of, of, I mean, I live a pretty good life. I get to train, and I'm not saying that I'm an athlete or anything, but I get to train jujitsu and do whatever I want, all sorts of fun stuff all week, every week. And I try not to take that for granted. Difficult to do, <laughs> but I get to live a really good life. Would I be able to do that had Ron Paul won in 88? Yes, because there would have been a certain amount of balance and checks that we have that our forefathers saw. Ron Paul, if he would have won, or any libertarian for that matter, let's go to Johnson because I think he gained the most votes, didn't he, of any libertarian candidate? Gary Johnson did. Now, to be fair, Bill, he was a former Republican governor in New Mexico. His his vice candidate, his vice presidential candidate was Bill Weld, a former guy who had supported a lot of wars. <laughs> so I don't know. It's difficult. It is difficult to play the reverse game. But you're right. As far as uh, libertarian candidates go, 2016. Gary Johnson got the most votes. Now, let's go back to Ron then. So if he had a one. There's really just two things that are going to happen. Either we stagnate because he vetoes everything. Or there's compromise. And that's what our forefathers wanted was the compromise. We're not seeing that so much today. Um, but we don't have any libertarians to base it off of. But I can guarantee you just by the research I've done into the libertarian movement, let's say that we get a libertarian president, a Ron Paul type. And then let's say that we get 10 libertarian senators in there. It's a lot. Can there be some real transformational change? Yes. Do I think it would be positive? Yes, with regards to our economy, economics. But would that tan and would that president still have to um, compromise to get things done? Yes. Look at Thomas Massey. Look at Rand Paul. Those are two of my faves. And they have to compromise to some degree. And it's it's... This is what I see. I see, whenever I see libertarian posting, it's always, look at the Republicans, look at these Democrats, look what they're doing, but then what do we have that to compare to on the libertarian side? We don't. But I Because they, they, they've not really been elected into any real positions that you can really put a finger on. Do you understand what I'm saying? I mean, yeah. we have not had a president. We've not had a big influence of them in Congress and in the Senate. Who's the one up in, is it Michigan? Is it Amash or? Justin Amash is a former member of Congress. He was elected as a Republican and then he switched. But when he basically, when he knew he was headed out anyways, he officially switched over from being a Republican to being officially a libertarian for a period of time. He was anti-Trump. He's actually Palestinian. Uh, uh, Palestinian. He lost a couple cousins in these yeah. attacks. So yeah, that, that's that's the only. But to your point, that's the only real anything close to uh, a good example that we could have. I guess. I mean, Rand Paul, Thomas Massey. You're right. They're 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 in there, but they're kind of compromising at their core. Rand Paul probably has similar feelings. I'm guessing to me. I think about this topic about the Israel well, war. Yeah. yeah, but he doesn't come out and just vote that way. Mm-mm. He instead says, hey, let's compromise, guys. Let's at least stop funding Palestine if we're, we're going to stop. You know, if we're going to let's cut something is what he's been doing. And so that's my point. So when I see those kinds of posts and I see them a lot from libertarians, here's me taking a look at that party. And if I say I'm taking a look at it, it means I'm really looking at it, right? But that bothers me because it bothers me because what do I have that to compare to? So then I go in, I look at the Rand Pauls, I look at the Thomas Masses, I like them. But then I'm constantly seeing these posts, look at these Democrats, look at these Republicans, we're better, we believe this, we believe that. But do you really? Because when I really look at you, when you guys do get in there, which few libertarians do get in there, you have to compromise. And so if you're going to have to compromise when you do get in power, 
because it's not going to be a pure libertarian takeover. It's just not going to happen. Then if that happens, that whole tune is going to change because now all of a sudden Republicans and Democrats are going to be able to get on their high mighty horse and start pointing, well, look, I thought you were really principled, but you had to vote this way. Now we got a voting record. You, you understand what I'm saying? Yeah, you're right. They, they certainly do have to. Um, <laughs> this is a tricky, tricky part to it. Also, they do have to compromise what they once they get in. Let's imagine Kelly Patrick was somehow elected to Congress as a libertarian. OK, mm-hmm. and on this issue of funding the Israeli war, who would I be partnering with? <laughs> Maybe Ihan Omar, AOC, <laughs> right? And to an extent, I mean, I'm sure they want to fund Palestine. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. I, okay. Th- th- that is an interesting differentiation you're making there. I've really tried my best to to not represent myself like I think Hamas is a great organization or anything like that. I do not think we should send Palestine or Israel a penny. That's my stance. Yeah. And and, and I respect that. I mean, I I understand that. I get it. But. And it goes back to that whole allies thing that I was telling you about. But when when I seen those posts of yours, and I know a lot of the guys that were responding because of your circles, a lot of them are libertarians. When I finally said something in response, I was like, well, isn't it easy? Here we all are in America, stand, you know, land that belonged to Native people, talking about how we're anti-war. Shit, we're here because we kicked the shit out of a bunch of people, and now we're anti-war. It doesn't make any damn sense to me. And then what is it that constitutes going to war? Do we have to wait? I mean, for libertarians, do you wait till you're attacked? I mean, if Russia puts bases in Mexico, like what we're doing, we're putting them all over. Let's say all of a sudden they start dropping bases in Mexico and Canada, or China does the same. Is that preemptive to a libertarian? Do you, do you do something? No, you wait. And then if they're if they did like the Ukraine where they're stacking them up along the border, then what do you do? You still wait. Do you strike first, or do you wait till they hit you first? My answer: If Kelly Patrick was somehow the president, which I don't even think I want to do any type of political activity going forward, um, my answer would be yes. Uh, the only more, I know this sounds like I'm on a high horse or has turned into a social justice warrior. The only moral stance is to be ready and capable. And when they fuck with you, you take them out. I don't have a problem with when they fuck you, fuck with you, you take them out. I don't have a problem with that. Israel, if they were dependent, independent, um, which I don't think they are, I think they rely on us a lot. And mm-hmm. Hamas attacked them like they did, which obviously they did, and they decided to take them out. You know, uh, that's not pleasant, but my big issue is that we are a large part of the problem with the Ukraine and Russia war. We kind of set it up. I mean, uh, uh, Kamala Harris was taunting Russia months before the attack happened about how Ukraine, we wanted Ukraine to join NATO. They kept traveling to Ukraine. I mean, we're, and now Israel, I mean, we, the, we're attached at the hip there. So I, I guess my, my answer is, Tim, would, if someone was talking shit to you in a public setting. Mm-hmm. At what point would you take action against them? Very easy. So if someone gets in my space and I've tried to make space and they get back in my space, I'm hitting them first. Okay. Because we know is I would like to consider ourselves we're fighters. I mean, we might not be MMA fighters, but we're fighters. That's what we do multiple have days a week mindset. for fun. We have that mindset. Do fighters go into the freaking mat or into the cage or into the ring and say, you know what? I'm going to let this fucker hit me first. I'm going to let him get right up inside here. I'm going to expose my liver so he can freaking whack me right in the freaking liver. No. Once he gets into range, if they're in my space, I'm cracking them. They're a threat. Now, there about brings the definition of what constitutes a threat. And I always relate that right back to like what you just said. I'm glad you brought it up. And so 
to me, no, that's a big, you know, I, I you, you can't let people who wish to take you down surround you. And look what we're doing. Now, I'm going to use this against us, but look what we've done. And you're, you brought it up. Look what we're doing in Ukraine. Look what we're doing in these other countries. I agree. I agree that we need to take a good, hard look at our posture. But that doesn't mean that we should be yanking every single base. Some of them are advantageous to us and our true ally, our true ally. Not these countries that hate. Okay. You mentioned how you uh, initially, you waited. I noticed you waited to comment on any, because I went nuts with those anti-war posts. I know I did. I had multiple people reach out to me in different ways. I like it. You expressed how, you expressed yourself like I've never seen before. I actually liked it. You made a lot of sense, but, but, at the same time, I think that you can go too far one way. I mean, we talk about we're anti-war, but I mean, fuck, are we really? No, we're not, man. We're here because we took this shit. <laughs> you know, we took we took this and we put its people in these little reservations that are shithole. That may be completely true. It appears to be true. Obviously, this land was not inherited or it was not, not a, a thousand years ago. People who look like you, uh, maybe the, your Mexican half, the people mm -hmm. who look like your Mexican half lived around here, but not certainly not me. I mean, my people were in Ireland probably. So I, And I'm okay with that because okay. it's happened ever since the dawn of Maine. Okay. So if I so, was alive during that time, in hindsight, I hope I would have supported not quite. I know that maybe it may, maybe we're different, and it appears that maybe we are. At, 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 when when I've really analyzed it at its core, I would have promoted like free trade. I would like to think I would have. I don't know what I would have done, obviously, but I would have liked to have promoted a relatively peaceful free trade type situation instead of the probably the crazy ass slaughter. Maybe I'm just not cut out to be a warrior. I don't know. No, I don't think that. I just think it's your human part of you coming out and our human part of us comes out and then we fight it it's it's a battle i think you know of right and wrong and what is right and wrong that's why we're having this discussion but you know back to that post and, and back to what i said these very people that we are disgusted with who built up this large military machine because of that military machine countries don't fuck with us they know they know. Don't put a base in Mexico. Will not be good for you. Yeah, they know. And so my posture is, is if you stop training for five years and you're an MMA fighter, let's say you're one of the you're the bad you're John Bones Jones. You stop training for five years, you don't do anything, then you just sign some fight to fight the toughest guy on the block. You think you're just going to walk in there based on your name. It's not going to happen. You're going to get handed your ass. And so that's how I feel. I, I think it's this fine line between calling myself anti-war and then being realistic. And realistic means if you threaten the United States, just like if you get into my space, there needs to be a repercussion or I risk being knocked out. Makes sense. Certainly makes sense. Um, one of the questions I, I wrote that I was going to ask you, Tim, is, and I think I know the answer, is assuming Rand Paul and Thomas Massey deep down inside maybe feel similar to how I do about mm -hmm. war and if they had their ways maybe they would vote completely against funding israel i think rand paul probably would he he had something to do with taking some things away from israel at one point and he's of course then being a, been accused of being like <laughs> anti-semitic all of a sudden yeah which is wild but <laughs> but um but assuming they feel that the same way that i do which i don't know for sure but assuming they do you're still mm -hmm. okay with them being in congress I'll and the senate I still vote. He's one of my favorites. 
And, and, and for me to be able to tell you that he's one of my favorites and I still vote for him, I want you to think about what I'm saying. So people will say, I can't vote for Rand Paul because he is against Israel. Okay, so then let's say Rand Paul gets challenged by some freaking lib. No, there ain't a chance in hell. No, I'm voting for freaking Rand. I'm voting for Rand Paul pretty much hands down. But why? Not because I agree with everything. I don't. I like the fact that he is a principled person for the most part. He's had to bend. Okay? And I like that about him. Even though I may not fully agree with him, I probably agree with Rand Paul about 75%. And this is probably my main beef with libertarians is, and I have said this and said this and said this, libertarians are like that person sitting on the fence pointing their fingers. But when you get prominent ones in there, and they're good ones too, what do those ones do? They bounce back and forth for what's opportune to them from being either a Republican. Okay, I'm a Republican now. No, now I'm going to run as a libertarian because I know I'm getting ready to lose my office. So I'm going to be a libertarian. And I'm going to stick to my, to my um, beliefs. I just find that disingenuous. I think that libertarians, I've said this repetitively, be far better served running like Rand Paul and true libertarians, because there's some, we'll talk about those, they're not libertarians. They think they are because they just jump into the libertarian movement. They don't know a damn thing about it. I've tried to educate myself. Wow, it sounds like you have dove into it, which is interesting. Are you saying that there's some libertarians who are more so like lefties? Would you consider me a lefty? Yeah. Would you consider me a lefty? No. Okay. No. Mm -mm. But there are many within the that kind of call themselves libertarians that do fit the bill for that. Yes, for sure. Mm -hmm. And so, and not even just lefty. You had the guy on. Remember the far right guy, the the racist dude. Who was it? You interviewed him Augustus him. Invictus. Yeah. yeah, he, call, he called himself a libertarian. He ran for some office in Florida in 2014 or something. Then he switched over to being a Republican. He was a scheduled keynote speaker in 2017 for that Unite the Right rally, that Charlottesville. I think it was Charlottesville with the candles. Yeah. He was going to speak at that. So, yeah, yeah, he said on air only white males. He believes only white males should be able to vote or own so, property <laughs> so I, I delve into that a little bit more after that I told you i do my a little bit of homework i appreciate a little but i do try to use some common sense and i really he was attracted to that libertarian movement because if libertarians are for removing that welfare state and all of that stuff and I kind of benefited his belief system you know what you know what i'm getting at because he's actually a racist yeah <laughs> So, well, I don't know his heart, but. Or, or maybe not a racist. Okay, that's a fair you know distinction. I don't know yes. his heart, Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's, that's a fair distinction. But maybe he actually has views that certain people are better than others or whatever that means. He's got some great, wild yeah. views. So, yeah, I'm going to identify here. And we have that. That's my point that I'm making is libertarians, a lot of times they come off to me on these posts as this pointing their finger at Republicans and Democrats. That's fine. That's great. I like to see the differences. But at the same time, you still have that in your own party, especially with regards to things like abortion, uh, the this whole, the, the racial thing. You had that little bit of the right movement there, you know, because we're going to stop the, the, uh, the welfare programs and things of that nature. But I see it definitely with the abortion side. It's kind of split. Because the libertarians believe so long as you're not hurting someone else's liberty, then you should be free to do that. And then the argument comes in, well, when is somebody somebody? Is a baby somebody? You know, I mean, if they're, you know, so that brings that whole thing in. So I see you guys are split on that. And it's, so it's an interesting one. That's a very fascinating one, of course. And Ron, so, Ron Paul articulates a good stance on that, in my opinion. Yeah, and that's a whole nother discussion. But I've been, I mean, I've been watching that, but I'll go right back to this. And and 
I love a lot of these libertarian beliefs and stances. I know that a lot of libertarians believe themselves to be so principled, they're going to vote for the next, who is it, Lady Jorgensen? Yeah. And that's a waste. I did. You know, and, and to my, and I, I, I hate, I'm sorry I say that to you. That's okay. You, I, I, hopefully I don't have you, such thin skin that I, no, you in, know. In my, I feel like it's just this waste because look what we got instead. And you know, damn right that the vote tally was so close. That was a difference maker. It's been proven. If the if, if libertarians would have voted one way or the other, it would have been a difference maker in many states. Either way. And that bothers me because you know as well as I do that to libertarians, there isn't a damn thing about Joe Biden, really. That they've done for you he's done for you certainly not no, not yeah. one damn thing the, the opposite on every single issue and and trump of course we don't know what he would have done in these situations here but when you go back and look at what he did do one of the things i was really disgusted with is in signing that damn big covid bill that really pissed me off i love the libertarians for making their stand against him i think it was Rand. And Massey. Yep. Why well, I like those guys. I like that. We didn't need to do that. And I think most, why are we giving that money away? I mean, what the hell, man? That was $2 trillion, the CARES yeah. Act. CARES Act. Big mistake on Trump. And I'm a supporter of his now. I was not in the beginning. I was very reluctant to vote for that guy. But then I had to make that choice, man. Am I going to let Hillary get in there? It was like I had two butter knives. Am I going to, which one do I want to stick in a socket, you know? And I think that's how, that's how I approach voting. So let's say Rand Paul's the guy and he's going for president. I'm all in on that. You give me a libertarian like him going in, he's, he's got the votes. I'm, go, I'm all in on it. But if you think I'm going to, Let's say the republic it's reversed and a Republican is polling low. And it's either I vote for Rand Paul or this other Republican who's polling at 1%, 2%, or a vote for a liberal. Well, I'm sorry, man. I'm voting for the libertarian all the way. That's how I vote. I have to make my vote count. Now, I know... I don't know what you'd say. I don't know why you still voted for Jordan. I don't know if you believed that she would win, but it was a principled vote. But if your principles really matter, why not make it really matter and I, still be vocal? I would have, if I, if I wouldn't have voted for Jorgensen, I just wouldn't have voted because I'm such a bleeding heart anti, I know that sounds silly because I do think the war machine is so bad. I do. I think it's a big problem with the, the destruction of our currency, the duopoly, the Republicans and the Democrats. They both love war. They, oh, yeah. they, they agree on it most of the time. And they're like, hey, bipartisan support. Yay. And the majority of the country is like, that's good to see. Oh, that's so good to see. And I'm just sitting there like, hey, we're pretty. I'm not that smart of a guy, but I'm pretty sure we're fucking destroying our currency right here. Yeah. So that's why I've taken a step back. I, I, I don't want to vote for the military industrial complex anymore. I just don't. And, and, and I think that's great, but I think libertarians would be better served to push their candidates into the Republican side, because there's really not a lot on the other side that I see. That's why I've really been looking at the libertarian. I, I'm fine with that. And there is something to be said for that, Tim. I'm not disagreeing. I, 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 I wear a Rand Paul t-shirt while walking around my Louisville, Kentucky neighborhood. Yeah. I wear a Rand Paul t-shirt to hot yoga this morning. Literally. Okay. <laughs> I would like to say I'm Rand Paul's biggest fan. I've tried to interview him. I don't know, you know, I'm, unfortunately, I don't get to vote for Massey. My mother and stepdad, they live in LaGrange, and they, they get to, he's in their dist, they're in uh, his district. So I'm okay with that. And, and there is certainly something to be said for that. So I, I do like the idea of supporting libertarian, principled, even if they don't call themselves libertarian. Mike Lee in Utah, you know, call yourself a constitutional conservative. 
Yeah. I don't care. If you're trying to have small, legitimately trying to, you know, reduce costs, reduce the size of government, and, and to, um, you know, promote freedom, then I'm, I'm for it. So I don't have a problem with that. And I agree. There is certainly a lot of truth to what you're saying. And so, yeah, so I think that was probably my main premise. Of this. I think that uh, it's one thing to, it's one thing to, uh, that's the best way I'm trying to word this, good. I love libertarian principles, a lot of them, probably three-fourths of them. That's good. Because there are a lot of Republicans in there, Mitch McConnell being one, they need to freaking go. I, I cannot stand them. They are, you know, it brings in the term limits and everything else. But if if we're really going to stop what's happening in this country on the left, it will take both it will take all similarly minded people to stop it at this point. Or we start splitting our vote. I see and, I see what you're yeah. describing. I mean, that makes sense. And, splitting the vote I, doesn't help the Republicans at all. That makes sense. And I want more Rand Paul's. You know, I want more people who want to reign in the government. But our, our our founding fathers knew that we still needed that balance. There was going to have to be compromise. And when it comes down to that balancing compromise, that's what I keep saying. I have to look at these candidates and say, okay, who am I going to freaking vote for? I know Trump's got a big mouth and says stupid shit. I didn't really like him in the beginning. You know, I was a Ted Cruz guy. I really like Ted Cruz. And lying Ted. But once he got there, and I'm like, golly, man, even though I might not have agreed with him on everything, you have to admit, he really, if he said it, he really tried to do it, Trump. I mean, a lot of presidents say a lot of shit, and they, they don't do it. I mean, he he said he was going to do something. He either did it, or he really went all in on trying to do something he wanted to do. And I respected that about him, even though I didn't respect some of his language. Um, I think he kind of shot himself in the foot with with middle America. Um, but I just, uh, yeah, I you know, I see the posts and I guess I get, a, I don't want to say I get mad. I don't get angry. I, I love the fact people speak up. I like that Brian Fox guy. Boy, he's really smart. I've been reading a lot of his stuff. Um, he's a little pithy. I like that, though. You know, <laughs> he's a little what? He's a little pithy. You know, he gets pithy. Okay. So he, he, what I mean by that is you better be, you better be ready if you're getting ready to, to have exchanges with them is what I mean. Okay. I like that about people, but it doesn't mean I agree with them on everything. Sure. You know what I mean? But yeah. at the same time, we need to get to this point where, okay, I like what Brian Fox is saying. I don't agree with him on all this other stuff, but I like that alliance. Do you, do you understand what I'm? That's where I'm going. I certainly do. Yeah, and that was consistent. I don't want to go question. on to my social media and just start tearing up libertarians. Although I did post one for you, it was the water buffalo being attacked by all of the lions, and uh, I didn't tag you. I was going to, and I said, "No, you if should... I tag you, no, I'll that's have okay. every libertarian in the country coming after me." <laughs> I didn't, but I posted. You need to go into my Facebook. Was that what I got to check it all out? All these lions on top of this water buffalo, and then it was pretty. It had nothing to do with politics. It said we all need friends like these. Oh! And then all of a sudden, all the water buffaloes come in and kick the shit out of all these lions, and said we all need friends like these. And then I I wrote underneath that I thought for sure you'd say something. I said. uh that would be great unless your friends are libertarians because they're going to just sit there and watch. You oh, I didn't. I didn't see it. I need to go. I'll. 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 I'll go back and and um, find I a response. When speaking of 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 staying, you know, alliances and things like that, I will say this: I'm certainly voting for Daniel Cameron. Mm-hmm. I mean, so when it comes to the the bizarre culture war that we are going through in this country, it's bizarre. 
And yeah. it's not my favorite. Those aren't my favorite topics, the transgender and the, the mm-hmm. you know, the kids in school and all the weird stuff that's going on in public schools and things like that. That's not my bread and butter for talking about. But if I had mm-hmm. to vote and on something that's going to impact our state, mm-hmm. that is the way I'm voting, if that makes sense. Yeah. So, I mean, that's that is where I stand on that. I don't I don't know if that matters. He's not going to put us into war. So it's very black and white. for me there. It doesn't matter. And I like that. And I think that's that's what I'm talking about. So you're voting, and that's going to be a close election, I think. I'm definitely voting for that. I, I applauded my neighbor who has a Daniel Cameron sign out in his yard here in Louisville, Kentucky. Because mm-hmm. I do think it takes some guts to 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 do that in Louisville. Yeah, I know you live, you don't live here, but it's yeah. it takes some, in a, a city like, a liberal city, it's not real popular to be a Daniel Cameron fan. Isn't that something, too? I mean, here he is, our first black attorney general. You know, his mother worked with me. Really? Yeah. And uh, what what a wonderful human she is. But I remember Daniel Cameron as a boy. He was at the school. We had this this function going. A bunch of kids were there visiting. And I went to his mother, and I said, is that your boy? And she's like, yeah. And I said, my God. I said, he is the smartest kid. I said, you know something? He's going to be somebody someday. Mm. I told him that. Wow. And when she left, he was running for office and she left. I said, Miss Cameron, do you remember what I told you? And she just smiled. She goes, I do. And I said, look now. He's, you know, he could be the governor. He could be a, a presidential candidate at one point, you know? He could. So when you think about that, you think how he's getting attacked, even by, I hate to use the word, but even by his own. And I think about that family. I think about her. How sad. I mean, if they only really knew the truth of how hard she worked trying to get African-Americans into the trades, into these programs and things, I think they would hold their tongue before they just lambast Daniel Cameron as some sort of Uncle Tom. And it, I mean, give me a break. That, that's the world of politics that we live in, you know. Uh, what they do to him is the same thing they do to to all of us, they do it to me, you know. But I think minorities are starting to wake up. I know Hispanics are. Um, they're starting to wake up uh, in larger numbers. I think. I think that uh, Democrats see that, and they know that that's that could prevent the problem. Tim, I know we're close to our hour being up. Before we wrap up the episode, what are some of the organizations? I know you're a principled man. Mm-hmm. And you're very thoughtful, and I do appreciate all the research you've done into the world of libertarianism. It is a part of the, or the, I guess, leaning to the right a little bit side of our country, so it's good to be aware of, I'm sure. What are some of the programs you support? I know you like Blexit, Lexit. If someone's listening and they, they like what you're talking about, what would you suggest they do? Um, yeah, I support Lexit, which is the Latin exit from the uh, Democratic Party. Uh, Blexit, Candace Owens, you know, you all know who she is. And so she's got organization Blexit going on where they go to historical black colleges and universities and and uh, try to get people to at least open up their minds. You know, one of the one of the problems we have in this country is. People are so closed off, they believe every damn thing they hear, you know, and, and just to try to hear the other side. That's why I like going on these episodes. It's why I like talking to people like yourself or Brian. We don't all agree on everything. You know, even some liberals. I mean, there's some things I'm not fully to the right, but yeah, I support Lexit. Um, some of the figures that I really like, I don't know if you follow Amala Ekpanubi. She's really good. She's young. She used to be a BLM supporter. Mm. Yeah, and she's she changed. She's not a Republican. She is uh, a I would say she very, very much so conservative, but not real super far to the right. She's very young, very, uh, she's on a lot of those uh, shows with uh, like Candace and them. I love those people because they're speaking out against the system and trying to get people to understand that, look, there isn't just one party, there's multiple parties. And I always tell people that too. Look, you don't like the Republican Party, and I do. I say it all the time. Look at the Libertarian Party. 
You know, you don't have to be a damn Democrat. You know? Sounds like you're not a fan of the Democratic Party. No, they changed. They, they've changed. I mean, they've, it, and it's little by little, I see people peeling off from them. They're losing their base support now. And they're losing their base support because they have become the very thing that the original, I would like to say, Democrats fought against. If you don't believe me, they shout you down. I mean, look what they're, I mean, the violence. You know, I know you say that uh, you're against this thing of Israel. I just came back from D.C. You know, all of these Palestinian protesters, you think it was peaceful? No, man, they're throwing shit. You, you know what I mean? And I just, yeah, I, I, I don't, they, they have completely changed, become what they despised. And I just can't be a part of that. They're hypocrites to me. Tim Anti-white. Anti-white. <laughs> oh, God. Yeah. And anybody who doesn't see that, they're just freaking blind. You know, white people are the cause of every bad problem known to man. You know, and they just keep pushing that and pushing that. At least that's what they tell minorities. You know. How do you, and, how do you know what they tell minorities? Because I'm one. <laughs> yeah. You don't think that I, how many times you think somebody has told me how I could vote for a Republican? How can you vote against yourself? You know who usually tells me that? It's usually a white liberal. Very few times do I have any Hispanics or or African Americans tell me that. It's usually white liberal. How can you vote against yourself? <laughs> so they want to control your thinking. But I, I really do appreciate you continuing to come on the show. And this is technically probably the first episode where we've addressed a disagreement. I think that we've had a disagreement. I think it's arguably more important than other episodes, right? To, to tackle I don't even something. Think a, I don't even think it's a disagreement. I agree with you on a lot of what you said with the exception of identifying who our real allies are and regardless, being there for each other. Because I think that's that's important. And I and like I said, there's very few, very few that I would support. Britain, Israel. I would have said France a while back ago, but you know, the French are a little funny in history. <laughs> what about Canada? Uh, Canada, yes. I mean, even though, you know, I'm not a big Trudeau fan, but I think a lot of Canadians are just like Americans are split. Um, they're a good ally. I think that we need to strengthen our bond with Mexico. Uh, firstly, by staying a lot out of their business, with you know, but this border thing. Uh, yeah, it's not made us very good neighbors. Well, Tim, I really appreciate you coming on the show. And of course, I look forward. I'm going to go back and find that post you made with the water buffalo. That's my first mission today. But I look forward to us continuing to interact on, of course, social media and having future episodes uh, where we discuss whatever it is that's going on. Thank you very much for coming on. Thanks, Kelly.